money is so important and people say money doesn't buy happiness like i understand where that's coming from you know it doesn't specifically buy happiness but it buys a lot of other things money buys security money buys you know a future money buys money buys peace of mind essentially sure it's, sure it's something that i think i don't know if the education system or the way we grew up or or whatever it was but the stigma behind not talking about money and thinking that money is is bad needs to go away guys welcome back to another episode of chapter 20 something with me kylie mcdonald happy tuesday hope you had a wonderful weekend enjoyed the beautiful weather and yeah hope you're having a good day wherever you are in the world you want to know where i am right now in a dunkin donuts parking lot not joking why am i recording this today in a dunkin donuts parking lot it's because i procrastinated and it is Monday. I have about an hour right now before I go into work. So I was just going to go chill at a Dunkin' maybe. I don't know. Starbucks would be nicer, but I'm being a little cheap this week. And um, obviously I'm not going to record in the Dunkin' Donuts. So I'm sitting in the parking lot talking into a microphone, praying nobody comes out to their car. Um, <laughs> just, um, had a busy week, so not getting this done until today, but that's okay because I wasn't sure what I was going to talk about in this intro. It is currently 4.50 p.m. on Monday and about an hour, two hours ago, the world got the craziest piece of news that none of us were expecting. Macaulay Culkin and Brenda Song just had a baby together like excuse me what i didn't even know that they were a couple but apparently they've been a couple since like 2017 or 2018 i don't remember ever hearing that she was pregnant either but like so happy for them that's awesome you know two child stars that grew up both watching and now look at that a little happily ever after and um I wonder if that kid will be in show business. I'm going to say probably not, but we'll see. But it it's just so funny just seeing everybody like so confused that this happened. Like the most unexpected couple, the most unexpected child. <laughs> That's a weird thing to say. I don't know. But the most just unexpected piece of news that you would expect to receive on this Monday. But congrats to the happy couple and God bless the new little baby. That's so exciting. I think a lot of my TikTok for you page right now is like throwback to early 2000s Disney. So I've been seeing a lot of like Sweet Light stuff and Lizzie McGuire, That's a Raven. Mostly I've been seeing people making fun of the music videos that they all used to do together. Like they would get every Disney star 
that had never had a vocal lesson and they would throw him into this high quality production music video singing a dream is your wish your heart makes they'd pick a key that they'd be like oh yeah this can kind of probably work for everybody and poor little prepubescent Zach and Cody are screaming at the top of their lungs meanwhile Raven looks just so annoyed to be there because she knows she's so much better than that Annalisa Vanderpool can sing better than everybody and gets like one line I don't know it's just so funny it didn't matter who you were on Disney back in the day maybe even now but they were giving you a record deal and a music video if you had any sort of role on any of those shows and it's just really funny I kind of want to go back and just watch some of those old music videos from the most obscure people like did David Henry have a music video I'm sure he did but yeah it's also funny to see like all the random Disney stars on TikTok like Kyle Massey he popped up the other day I was like, how's this kid doing? Little Corey in the house there. He seems to be doing well. He's cursing all over TikTok. I'm like, all right, you grew up. But <laughs> I don't know. It is interesting to see these people you grew up with and to be like, what exactly are you up to now? Don't know for sure, but I uh, hope, hope they're all doing well. Speaking of someone I grew up with, I did not grow up with this guy, but we went to the same high school. Our today's guest, yes. His name is Derek Ting. He's the founder of Freestyle Apparel. Um, he's also an electrical engineer and a dancer. He's just doing it all. And this is a really informative conversation. We really get into dealing with finances as a young person and the struggles that come along with that. And, you know, just trying to make your own, do your own thing and stick to your own values and mindset um, in this crazy world so I'm really glad I got the chance to talk with him and uh you will for sure enjoy it so let us know what you think of this episode make sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at chapter 20 something pod um you could follow me official Kylie McDonald and I'll put Derek's links in the show's description as well all right guys have a great week and I'll talk to you soon much love bye welcome Derek Tang how are you I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me on today. Of course, of course. So you grew up in New York in the same town. And I, I thought you were older than me for some reason. But I think what year did you graduate, Jay? Ooh, wow. Uh, I think 2014. <laughs> you I graduated. Think? Yeah, I graduated 2014. <laughs> okay, cool. So I graduated in 2013. I am one year older than you. But I definitely remember your name. We probably have mutual friends. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I think I don't remember how it is. <laughs> <laughs> I know when you reached out on LinkedIn, you're like, hey, I think we went to high school together. Um, <laughs> but... I think I actually might have played on your dad's basketball team. No way. Way back then, like in oh. middle school. I'm oh my pretty God. sure. I did at um, the Fishkill Rec, probably. I think I think so. That's so funny. And my brother was probably on this. Yeah, your brother was on my team. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, oh, it's it's been that. forever, though. Oh, my God. That's so funny. That's so cool, though. Wow. So, okay. So if we're talking about high school, middle school, back in those years, what kind of kid were you? Like, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, man. Um. So I was kind of a troublemaker in middle school. 
I, I actually I actually got in trouble a lot for disrupting class, chewing gum, because that wasn't allowed back then, right. and always having a hat on, and then a few other things that happened along the way, but not nothing ever too bad where I got suspended or anything like that. So I never got in like any real trouble, but I was just causing a lot of trouble there. High school was kind of the same, but a little bit more toned down. I think I grew up a lot in high school, but it's actually crazy because I personally hate school. Like I, I don't like going through school. I didn't like the fact that you had, you know, the four core classes and you had to take each one. And then if you somehow failed one, you were deemed to be kind of unsuccessful in your middle school or high school career, which I don't think that has any representation of how you are as a person or how you work or your success or your potential for success. It's crazy because back then I was considered like a non-Asian kind of thing because I was so far away from what the average Asian was doing. Mm. Um, I did participate in math team, science Olympiad, but I didn't really care for it as much. I cared more about playing sports. I cared more about having fun and I cared more about being outside than studying. I got, I got it in a lot of trouble and a lot of other Asian peers were kind of kind of looked down on me in in a sense where like oh this kid like he's not serious about studying he's not serious about school like where's his future if he's not serious about anything right now it was actually really eye-opening for me back then but I also wanted to prove them all wrong why I started to do more outside of school because I just didn't like school I didn't see a real point for it for myself I mean, even if for somebody who didn't like school, you were involved in a ton of stuff, math team, science, Olympiad, but then you're in jazz band, interact and ice hockey. Like you were, you were very well-rounded. Yeah, it was more fun. I liked doing a whole bunch of things at a time back then, especially just cause like, it was fun to explore what sort of things I liked more than mm-hmm. school and like math team was fun because you weren't forced to do math but you can do math and like that was more fun than sitting in a math class for 45 minutes and then taking a quiz or take a test and then the bell rings and then you move on to the next one so I I I really like doing all the extracurricular stuff I mean my favorites were jazz band and ice hockey but junior year of ice hockey I actually broke a bone in my foot which made me unable to continue playing hockey throughout high school. And it kind of like just disappeared. I kind of ghosted everyone, which is not the right thing to do. Who on the ice hockey team? Yeah. I kind of told everyone that I was getting surgery. And then after I got surgery, I just (laughs) never came back. (laughs) Yeah. I haven't touched the ice since then, but. Oh no. But hey, it was fun. So when you were looking at the future back then, did you have a vision for yourself? What was your next steps going to be um, in college? Throughout high school, I was pretty set on becoming an engineer. Everything that everyone talks about, job stability, uh, retirement, great benefits for health insurance and all that stuff, which is true. Right. All that is true. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what I felt like I wanted for myself. But then after going into college and after my freshman year of college, I actually took a um, internship and co-op with IBM, which went into Global Foundries. So I did IBM into Global Foundries. Um, After that, it kind of opened my eyes to the fact that that wasn't something that I wanted to do for 20, 30, 40 years of my life. Because, you know, even from high school, I like doing all these different things. And once you get into the stereotypical cubicle engineering job, 
yeah that kind of disappears and the sort of environment that I was put in well I didn't really have any interns like other interns or other co-opers to talk to to interact with so it was all you know the regular full-time employees and then it was hard for me to really connect with them one because I just finished my first year of college and I didn't know what I was doing but two you know they're all at different points in life and all of the stuff that they talked about wasn't really interesting to me adult so, things yeah <laughs> it wasn't I, I wouldn't say adult things I have a problem with because adult things is cool but I, I have a problem with repetitive small talk it's oh, the same yes. sort of repetitive small talk mm-hmm. like you know like every day to go and it's like oh did you look at the stock market today the other person's like oh yeah like it went up a few dollars here and there and they're like yeah like invest in stocks and it's, it's <laughs> and that's the and, and yeah when you first hear about that you're like you know cool you're talking about money you're talking about ways to grow your income and you grow your overall wealth and then you hear it again and again and again and every day is the same thing and they're not it's not like they're day trading it's not like they're comparing trades not like they're talking about actually trading it's just they're looking at their long-term stock every single day and talking about the progress of it so that sort of talk gets tiring and that's just one example that's that's an example that I actually remembered because I try to block all the other stuff out (laughs) (laughs) you know not to put those people down because every you know they're going through their own things but yeah of course it's like they're kind of just observing the world around them and it's like what are you actually doing to contribute and to enjoy you know like you can't be happy just looking at what everyone else is doing in my opinion yeah again this this is all from from me my perspective I have nothing against anyone like people who enjoy doing that it's just for me I, I couldn't take it yeah no absolutely so okay so that was after your first year of college so that's always fun when you go home and you're like, yeah, mom and dad, I think I'm going to switch this whole plan up. Um, <laughs> so what were your next steps after you realized maybe this is not what I want to do? Well, it was really hard for me because I was kind of alone and my parents were like, oh, just do it, you know, just do the engineering. And then I wasn't close to friends because I was, I was back at home uh, at the IBM back uh, in Fishkill. In Fishkill yeah. So I wasn't close to being, I wasn't close to friends. I wasn't close to anyone really at work I was close to my mentors but even then it wasn't there wasn't that much work to be done so it was really hard for me to figure out something more to do you mm-hmm. know because I, I was kind of stuck between co-workers that didn't really talk about anything other than their next vacation or, or honestly like you, you hear the jokes about people talking about Disneyland or Disney World they they talked about it like October through January October <laughs> through December is talking about going uh, December through January is talking about how it was so <laughs> it's crazy but um it was hard for me to figure out something else to do and that's kind of when I started picking up books to read one of my first books was Rich Dad Poor Dad and that sort of opened the door for me as in like oh there's something more out there that I could be doing and there's something that I could do with the money that I currently have to go and make more money. So I started reading and I guess reading was what got me into it really. That year I started, I had some money in stocks, but it was just kind of sitting there. You know, you toss it into like Netflix back then and you're like, I'm good. Right. Or like you toss it back into Microsoft or Facebook back then. You're like, I'm, I'm doing well. (laughs) Um, But I really started to learn about stocks, mutual funds, bonds, different types of investment vehicles. 
And then I also learned about real estate, but there's almost no way that I was confident enough to actually execute on a real estate deal back then, at least. I was kind of like, okay, I'm going to scratch that for now, maybe later. And so as I'm going through investment types and investment stocks, I started to look out more and realize that my dad was actually in the financial industry doing something on, his, on the side. He's a certified financial advisor and he does his own kind of brokerage system. I wasn't really interested in you know, selling financial products because that, that part of it wasn't like, oh my gosh, that sounds so fun, but I wanted to learn. Mm-hmm. So my next steps after, after IBM was essentially asking my dad to join as like a recruit for his company. I basically joined the financial industry and I was in the financial industry for about two years and I'm still kind of, kind of am, I'm kind of active, but definitely not doing it like I was back then. And I did it for two years while I was in college and I just basically, it was a huge learning process for me. So essentially with financial planning, financial advisory, it's really about how to protect the individual and their family from any sort of unforeseen circumstances and also provide a vehicle to do different things for them. Like whether it's leaving a legacy for your children or protecting your children or protecting your family or actually using it as a retirement model, right? Mm -hmm. So those are all things that like I believed in and, you know, I feel that everyone should have. But the way I went around it for the first, I don't know how long was horrible. Those two years was a huge learning process for me. But in that time, I learned all about rejection, all about approach, all about sales, all of like sales commission. I I lost a bunch of friends because I did a bunch of wrong things. No. Yeah, you live and you learn. You you live and you learn. Yeah, exactly. You live and you learn. So unfortunately, I did a lot of, I set, it wasn't really shady, (laughs) but it was delivered terribly mm. <laughs> so in, instead of because I was so excited back then so I'm gonna give you an example yeah um in the financial industry you know we talk about protecting families we talk about uh investing I kind of just went to my friends and I was like I'm selling life insurance and this is really important you should buy it let's do it and they're like what I'm like I know you need to buy life insurance and they're like why and I'm like <laughs> to invest for yourself. And he's like, and the, you know, all of them were like, oh, we're not dying or anything like that. And I'm like, okay, it's not for debt. It's for untaxed growth on the side. So it's essentially like stocks, but you don't get taxed when you take that money out because it's protected by the government. But when you get approached by someone and you get asked straight up to buy insurance. Sure. That doesn't yeah, really someone work. Someone came up to you on the street and like said, buy my insurance, like go away. <laughs> Yeah, so I did that a lot. <laughs> uh, and I, I learned a lot from it. Because after after two years, I was like, hey, you know what? Like, I've, I've learned a lot from this experience. And I'll always keep it on the side. It is a good platform for, for business and, and to grow on and also to network on. But at the same time, essentially, you're forever under someone else's name. I really didn't like that. Yeah. I wanted my name. On, on the top of whatever I was doing. So that's when I started looking at a bunch of other stuff. And then this brings me into like junior, senior years of college. I brainstormed and talked to a whole bunch of friends. We played, we toyed around with the idea of apparel in the really beginning, but I didn't really actually go into it. I actually ended up doing some software game development, you know, like 
phone apps because me and one of my friends thought that that was a really good avenue for income Mm -hmm. and that fell short we didn't really go into that I talked about you know board game cafe different types of cafes um, and that didn't really work either because I didn't have the capital and other people weren't exactly interested in that so I went through a lot of different ideas spent a lot of time on all of those and then eventually ended up back at apparel that's kind of when freestyle started coming together. I didn't know what I wanted to name the company. I have a whole bunch, a whole list of words that I wanted to use to basically express your own style, express yourself. And it was hard. But then once I came across the word freestyle, which is tied into my background as a dancer, I was like, you know, that's, I, I like that. I like that a lot. So I stuck that's with awesome. it. And then I kind of thought about how the apparel industry was going because you can't just have an apparel brand. One, it has to stand for something. And two, it needs like a larger mission than who you are yourself. Sure. So in terms of the lifestyle, right? An, an apparel brand is essentially the lifestyle brand. Whoever is buying into the apparel is buying into a lifestyle. So the lifestyle that I always portrayed and I want to portray and I want to put out there more is that sort of going out and doing your own thing and not letting other people tell you otherwise. That came in to mind and that tied perfectly with freestyle. And then, so I started running with that. And then that's when I kind of thought more about the apparel industry and the way that it's going. Back then Adidas had, didn't release that they were moving all into recycled fabrics and recycled products yet. And so I was like, all right, you know what? There's not enough big companies out there who are doing eco-friendly material. They're not, they're not promoting eco-friendly products. Uh, a lot of them are still fast fashion. And fast fashion is kind of destructive to the environment, to nature, to a lot of communities that actually produce those pieces of apparel. You're right. So to do something about it, you know, it's it's to take action against what you don't believe in. In that case is to take freestyle and build it up as strictly eco-friendly products. And the big picture is to build up freestyle to the scale where it can influence other apparel companies to do the same. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at with that but yeah that was that was kind of like my thought progression and like everything that happened from the beginning of college from IBM all the way to the end when I graduated wow well you've accomplished a lot even in these past you know five years or so and really even personally it seems like you've grown a ton I guess while we're talking about the eco-friendly part of the line that's that's something that I admire completely and I'm like so excited that you're doing so I'm wondering And when it comes to physically producing the products, does it make it more difficult if it's eco-friendly or how does it actually work? So normally you see polyester, you see cotton, you see like comb cotton, ring strength, all of those. And then eco-friendly is normally organic cotton, which is harder to grow because it's not, you know, it's not huge factory processed. It's also recycled polyester and then bamboo. So in terms of recycled polyester, recycled polyester is essentially taking a bunch of plastic water bottles. It's essentially breaking it down and then building it up back into fibers. So the the process is a little bit more, it it takes longer. So that's why eco-friendly products usually cost a little bit more because it's harder to come by. The market's not as big as obviously the regular fast fashion because they're just pumping out hundreds of thousands of pieces of apparel and you have eco-friendly manufacturers and products that are pumping out you know tens of thousands 
in it's not really comparable yet to the bigger scale manufacturers who are pumping out fast fashion. It's kind of a problem or not really a problem, but it's just that the demand for eco-friendly isn't high enough yet. So the rate at which they're producing it isn't as high and therefore it is a little bit more expensive to produce. Yeah, and I don't really think that people realize or even are aware of the effects that fast fashion is having on the world and it's taking over. I mean, you could go online and like order anything every single day and just to know like what it's actually doing to people and to communities, like it's scary and it's something that needs to be more of a priority, I think. Yeah, I agree. And and that's part of Freestyle's mission is to go out and change that. It's crazy how big fast fashion is. And I think a lot of it has to do with the consumer as well. Like it's, it's on us too, where, you know, even back then I was always like, you know, H&M is a huge part of it. But back then I was always like, oh, this, these pieces of clothing are so cheap. Like they look pretty good. You know, you buy a few, they rip in a few months and then you buy new ones. That's harmful for, for the environment. Basically when something lasts, that's a good thing, you know, because you're essentially lowering the time between the next time you need to buy another piece of product. And those pieces of product are also, you need to make sure that they're good for the environment. It's a huge problem and definitely one that I'm trying to work to solve. But I also know that a lot of other big companies are starting to step up to do it. I know Adidas released maybe a year and a half ago or two years ago, actually, that they were going to start moving into fully eco-friendly products within, it was by 2024 or 2025. But I don't remember that. But they're working on it. That's good. All right. So you started working on freestyle, you said back in your junior, senior year. So, I mean, it's incredible. You have this idea, you're putting it into action. But then on the other hand, you still have to make money in the meantime while you're working on it. What is your day job? And like, what does a normal day look like for you right now? My days are pretty much just work. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really, oh man. Yeah. So for my day job, I'm an electrical components engineer for Lockheed Martin. I took engineering and I ran with it because I knew that I could balance school and manage to get an okay, like a solid GPA while yeah. also doing all the things on the side. So I stuck with the engineering because I knew that I wasn't far enough with freestyle to be like, hey, you know, I could just come out of college and just do apparel. Like there's no, almost no way for me to support myself if I did that. It was senior year of college and I got an offer to Lockheed, but the offer was for Sunnyvale. And this is kind of what brought me over to Cali for the last year before I moved back. I knew I needed a source of income to support everything that I wanted to do on the side. So for freestyle, it sucks, but the reality is whenever you start a business, whenever you start something, it's an expense in the beginning. It's an expense for a good amount of time until it starts returning after you put in enough work into it. I guess my day-to-day here is a little bit different than what I was doing day-to-day in California. And also COVID changed a lot of things. So pre-COVID, it would be, I go into work at a, it was around seven each day, six thirty-seven each day. This was back in Cali. I would pretty much end around four or five, drive to the gym, work out for like an hour and a half with my friends, and then head home and then work on freestyle and work on some other business stuff until I fell asleep. And yep. then repeat, 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 yeah. repeat. Um, after COVID hit, 
everything kind of blended together. Yeah. Uh, Because right now, essentially, you know, I could be working and then I could take like a half hour break, do something on my personal computer and then go back to work. Mm -hmm. Something like that. For a while, I was actually streaming on Twitch. I was streaming games on Twitch, but I've refocused and repurposed that time to use more onto my businesses. It's just spending more time on marketing, content, apparel, getting better at everything in between because right now I'm still like a one-man team. So you you need to slowly develop yourself to get better at everything. Every aspect of what you do needs to sort of be developed to the point where you have the income, the means to hire someone else to do it for you. But in the case that they leave or you have a problem with them, you can always step back in, do that job. Do it yourself. Yeah, Yeah. I I agree. I'm, I mean, maybe it's like a, a detriment to whatever, but it's like, I want to know how to do everything. And I, I like being in control and maybe that's not the best thing always, but at the end of the day, like you just said, when it comes down to it, I want to know how to make something for myself. And, um, you know, I think that's just how it has to be. But at the same time, like you said, you're working all day, every day, which I get. And it's something that I do a lot too, but there does have to be a balance. And I'm wondering if you are, currently focusing on like having a balance in your life with like personal life and like just chilling doing whatever or if that's not really a focus right now I think balance is something that we try to find Mm -hmm. but it's never really there the way I look at balance the way I look at doing work and then doing fun things I I actually had a conversation with my friend last year on this but I really think it's about intent on what you're doing at the current time. For example, when if I'm really focused on work for an hour, I can knock out a ton of work. At the same time, if I'm really focused on just relaxing, I'm really, really relaxed. Yeah. And I think like instead of finding a balance, it's almost finding yourself in being in each task at a given time. If you're in the middle of something and then you try to think about relaxing or you're trying to relax while in the middle of working, you're not actually relaxed. You're you're forcing a sort of balance on yourself that doesn't really work because it ends up kind of hurting you. Uh, when you're relaxed, you're still thinking about work, you're still doing work. Or when you're doing work, you're thinking about relaxing. So the quality of your work kind of goes down. Mm-hmm. So for me, I really think that it's it's about your intent and it's about your focus into doing each thing at a given time. Um, and I think a lot of my friends, a lot of my mentors kind of say it a lot. And I, I, I'm not at that point in life yet, but when they talk about doing something intentful with their families, they always talk about if it's family time, it's family time. The phone goes away and they're super intent on being with their family. And that's what makes a family work. You know, some of my mentors have come out in the open where they're like, you know, not being intent and not being focused at those points in time is what broke their marriage, what broke their families. So I think it's really important because we try to find a balance, but balance doesn't really work if you're trying to insert work into relaxation or relaxation into work or, or vice versa. If you're focused on two things at one time, you're not going to be able to get either one done to the way you want it to be done. Because when I do take a break, when I do like play games with friends, I'm just playing games. I, yeah. I try my best not to think. Obviously, sometimes I'm still thinking about it. But when I'm playing games with friends, usually I just wipe out work from my mind. And then, you know, after a few games, I'm like, okay, back to work. And then mm-hmm. I wipe out the games. 
So it's not back and forth. That's yeah. I really like that mindset. And I think that's important because, you know, in today's world, like I know I have everything on my phone and like my boss can reach me at any time. And like, if she needs an answer to something, I should be able to text her back. But it's like, if I'm with family or with friends, like that's not work time. And just because I'm accessible doesn't mean I need to be like, I'll yeah. get there's a blurred line in today's society because we, everybody is so accessible all the time, but we shouldn't be. It's a, I think it's a problem with convenience. Yeah. You know, you, you think you're relaxing or you think you're with your friend, but then you're on your phone, like texting other people, you know, I guess like in, in a sense where if my friends are doing that, I personally don't really mind, but I see like that they're not present. I think being present with what you do is so important, especially in today's society, mm -hmm. because we're just all so focused on other things now. Yeah, you're right. There's always somewhere to put your attention to. So being actually present in the moment with the people around you, with what you see in the world around you and just focus on that. Like that's what we have to get back to. So I'm glad that someone like yourself, you know, who is young and doing your thing, you know, you have that mindset. Okay. So after college, it seems like you moved around a little bit. Is that correct? Oh yeah. I, yeah. I went, <laughs> I went from college, moved home for like two months. And then I was like, I'm driving to California. Yes. Oh my God. So did you do a whole road trip? I did two actually. Um, oh my God. I, I drove from New York to California and I took the scene. I wouldn't even say scenic route. I took a really, really long, the Southern route. <laughs> I went down South all the way across and then up. So I lived in the Bay area, right? Were you alone on that road trip? Yes. I was alone Damn, on both. That's cool. Mm -hmm. uh, it was cool, scary, <laughs> fun, frustrating, sad, <laughs> all of those emotions at the same time. Yeah. Cause you know, you, you don't really have an opportunity to do solo road trips across the country but at the same time it's extremely scary to be alone driving at night going to rest stops going to hotels going For you know sure. driving in the middle of nowhere with no one that you know nearby sometimes without service but yeah. it's also <laughs> super cool because then I'm like holy shit you know I drove across I literally drove across country I drove 4,000 yeah. something miles across country doing like a huge loop around the southern side that's how I moved to California and I was in California for pretty much essentially a year before I drove my ass back <laughs> oh my god and again solo road trip everything uh, except the second time I did it it was a lot easier than the first time I think the second time that you do anything it's a lot easier on your mind and on like how you feel For and sure. so California was it was a big change and it was it was really really tough I I, I think for me in the beginning I I was really really struggling with balancing everything because sal salary comes in once every week and for me, when I drove to California, one, the trip to California was a bit of an expense, uh, mm -hmm. hotels, food, gas, and then getting to California, getting a place. By the way, California is super expensive wherever you want to live in the mm -hmm. Bay Area, unless you live in like a shack. Paying rent, security deposit, and then also having to buy furniture basically took all of the money that I had. So then, you know, you start making money and you think that you're going to, 
you think that you're going to make money. Yeah, you, you think that the money's going to come in and it's going to be a significant amount of money because you see your engineering salaries are pretty good, right? Um, but living in the Bay Area, you need a substantially higher salary to really achieve like a quality of life that is equivalent to how much you would have, say, if you make like 80K upstate New York, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's 80K in upstate New York is like, you can live well. 80K in California in the Bay Area is like, you can live. <laughs> <laughs> So I was struggling because in my mind, I was like, you know, I moved across the country. This is it. You know, I'm going to start making money and start working on my business and everything's going to go great. Uh, I start making money. And first off, I'm paying for everything that I bought to furnish my place. And every month the rent kind of goes away. So that's like every single month you're just waving goodbye to a huge chunk of money. And then the gas that you need to go from work to or home to work to wherever else you need to go. And then basic necessities, food, insurance, all of that stuff, right? Yep. It adds up real so, quick. So all of that adds up. And then on the side, you want to start business. And that part was just so hard because any one expense would put me in the negatives for the next month. Basically, I'm I'm essentially living paycheck to paycheck, trying to pay off my expenses from the week prior or the month prior with the weeks yeah. after. And, and that was really hard for me because you don't get a lot of money. At, at the end of the day, you look at your bank account and you're like, I've been working for like two, three months now and I have made nothing. Yeah. Like there, there's nothing in my bank account. And I know that a lot of it went to investments, you know, like investing into freestyle that part of it is a huge part of my you know money but it hurts to see just nothing coming back especially in the beginning um and that part was really difficult for me and it was it was just like i'm working i'm working i'm working but i have no money yeah and that's scary too yeah it it is scary because at least i was feeling like i wasn't gonna get out of that hole because Right. Especially when you're working literally all day, every day. It's like, what more could I be doing? Yeah. You work all day and then you get home and you're still working all day. And then at the end of the day, you pay your bills and you're like, wow, I have zero. zero Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I'm fortunate to have a job to be able to fund myself and to survive, but it was hard. And I can't, I really can't imagine someone else if they were in my shoes, if they're trying to do something new and, they had, you know, an additional expense, extra student loans that they didn't pay off yet. That's an additional layer of cost that you need to be accounting for. It's really hard to manage, honestly. You know, it, back in college, I used to think, and I, I don't know if other people thought this too, but back in college, I was like, you know, once you graduate college, you should, you know, move out at the first chance you get. And then I moved out, I did that. And then I was like, wow, everyone after college should absolutely stay home for as long (laughs) as they can, because this is ridiculous. Yeah, it is crazy. I did the same thing. I think it was like six months after I graduated, I moved to the Albany area. And Mm -hmm. again, like all I had was like money that I had saved up from like babysitting. And I was like, all right, now I'm going to get a salary, but I'm literally starting from zero. And you just are supposed to make it work somehow. And it really, it took a while for me to get on my feet because how are you supposed to when everything literally goes somewhere and you have nothing really to save for yourself? It takes a lot of time. Uh, Time that I think the education system does not prepare us for. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Because like when you're when you're in college, you look at a salary, you look at 50k, you look at 60k, you look at the average, you look at 100k, and you're like, wow, you know, that's a lot of money. But when it comes in week by week, and when you have expenses week by week, you are not making that much. After taxes, your you know your 50k or your 100k turns into I don't even know how much. <laughs> Let's say you're back in California and you have 100k. You make 100k you're now down to 70. And then the Bay Area, if you want to live in a nice place, like your own one bed, one bath, you're looking at something between 1800 and like $2,100 a month, $2,000 a month, you know, that $24,000 yeah. gone. On top of that, California gas, at least before COVID hit was $4 a gallon. That adds up really, really fast. And so like at the end of the day, you, you're like, oh, wow, you know, I make 100K. But then if you want to do something on the side too, you virtually have no money at the end of the day. Mm. It's, mm. it's crazy. And it takes a long time for you to actually get money and actually get it rolling either like in stocks or in business or in something else. And I think something that I realized really early on was I hate looking at money sit in my checking account. That money's just sitting there waiting to be used. Uh, yeah. It doesn't do anything. One of my mentors, I learned uh, one of his strategies is to essentially, if you have over a certain amount of money in your checkings account uh, and you set that number for yourself, you need to open like a separate checking account. Because mm -hmm. if you look at a checking account that has a substantial, significant amount of money in it, you'll feel secure it's like you're programming yourself to feel secure and you won't have that urge or you won't have that need or fire to go out and either make more money or create more from it. His strategy is always to move money out of the checking account and making sure that it's under a certain amount of money. So you look at it and you have that urge or you have that fire to be like, I need to make more money. Cause oh, I like that. You look at money in a checking account in the best checking account there is it grows what one percent and that doesn't match anywhere close to inflation and how everything's going one of the craziest things i don't i don't know if it was covid but coffee at dunkin donuts went up so much in the year that i was gone did, yes last year you could get a large iced coffee for like 283 and now you get a large iced coffee and it's 383 that's not a 1% increase. That's not a 3% increase. That's a really, really, really big increase. Prices are skyrocketing and all that stuff. And if your money is sitting somewhere, it's not growing, you need to figure out how to make it grow. If it's not making you money, you need to make it grow. Like that's, you basically have to do that at this point. Otherwise it's hard. It's hard to make more money unless you take the money that you make and make it make more money for you. Yeah, it's kind of just taking it into your own hands and going back to like, you know, even what you're doing as a career, it's like not relying on anybody else. But it's like, how can I create something for myself, whether it's in your career or in your finances or whatever it is? It's like, I'm in control. Yeah. And I, I think a huge problem in society today is that people don't like to talk about money. Yeah. Um, like money is so important. And people say money doesn't buy happiness. Like I understand where that's coming from. You know, it doesn't specifically buy happiness but it buys a lot of other things money buys security money buys you know a future money buys money buys peace of mind essentially sure it's, sure it's something that i think i don't know if the education system or the way we grew up or or whatever it was 
but the stigma behind not talking about money and thinking that money is is bad needs to go away because i think a lot of times because we don't talk about money nobody really understands how to grow it yeah and the need for it another thing that i've been seeing more and more of you know the difference between the super wealthy and the i guess the middle class right and i'm in the middle i think i'm in the middle class i don't know where i'm at but (laughs) but i'm definitely not super wealthy yet right i've seen this a lot and i've seen it more in in my friends too but when my friends who are super super wealthy when they buy something they're buying something that is a small percentage of their income or of their excess money that they have when i see you know my friends buy something or my parents or their my friends parents buy something it's usually something that is equivalent to the money that they currently have mm. so oh the new like ipad or the new apple watch right I finally have $700 in my bank account. I can now afford it. So I buy it. That sort of mentality hurts your chances of actually growing your money in the future. And it hurts because you're essentially spending all the money that you make. And then you have to spend all that time to make it up again. My friends who are super way wealthier than I am, they never spend above a certain percentage of their incomes. Mm -hmm. It's, It's always... If I have 100K, I'll spend 10K. Or if I make 100K, I'll spend 10K. It's always a percentage. Because the rest of it goes to investing, goes to business, goes to whatever else. And that principle, when applied at a younger age, can go a long, long way. But none of us are really taught that unless we read, unless we find a mentor, unless we talk to people who have that mentality. And I think it's important because... If you always spend what you have, you're never going to make more. You're, you're not. And then that's when the paycheck to paycheck kind of lifestyle comes into play because now you have expenses on that. And now you need to use each paycheck to pay off those expenses instead of having, if you spend 10% of what you have, then guess what? You have 90% of it left to make more money, to pay off expenses and buy other things that you want when you make more money with it. So I think that aspect of it is, is so important to get into people's heads, at least to start consciously understanding uh, how they're spending their money. And I'm absolutely guilty of it. I, I've tried a lot harder. Usually I spend my money on food now, but before, you know, I would be like, oh shit, like I have a thousand dollars so I can buy a laptop for a thousand dollars now. Right. Like, mm-hmm. and then guess what? You spend a thousand dollars and you're like, oh, I got a new laptop, but then you don't have money left. Yeah, you know, you know, I need to work to make it up again. Yeah, it's tough. And they're virtually, like you said, there's no education growing up on how to handle money and how to handle investing or finances. And like, yeah, maybe there's a few electives in high school that you could take, but that was not my focus. So I wasn't going to take them when I was 16, 17. And it was really like after college, I had to learn for myself. But I wish, I wish I had known stuff earlier, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think I think for the education system, remember how we were talking about four core classes? I think one of those core classes needs to be finance. Like yeah. finance is not something that is disputable between anybody. You could be super poor, you could be super rich, you still need to know about finance. Exactly. There's nothing like something yeah. like English, it can help. But I'm gonna be honest, a lot of <laughs> a lot of my friends who are wealthier 
a lot of them didn't go through college. A lot of them suck at English. Like, yeah. some, a lot of them write books, but then they use copywriters to help them write it. Like their English is checked. They don't. I know. I like, know. Yeah, it's an impo- important skill to have, and obviously, yeah. you know, we learn from reading and from learning what other people write and stuff like that. But there is like a whole world around us every day that we need to know how to function in. And I think that is just missing from the education system. Yeah. <laughs> Finance, credit, mm-hmm. taxes, all of that stuff. Doesn't make any sense to me. No, it, it, my, my personal theory is that it's kept from us so mm-hmm. that we're kind of stuck doing the same things over and over again. And that's kind of something that like an idea that I've been playing with in a sense, but not so much focused on because I really want to start a school one day. And just have it be like elementary into middle school, high school, and then college. To start, I think we need to start from the beginning. One group that I think does it really well is the Blue Men Group. They have a school in New York that is kind of catered around that free thinking. They have their core classes, but the majority of kids are off doing what they want to. And it's super cool because I had a tour around their their school. And these, these are elementary school kids. And they're playing with like carpentry stuff. They're playing with like circuitry. They're t- playing with computer science, but at its most basic form, they're understanding these things at such a young age. And I feel like that raises their potential so much more than, you know, sit in class 45 minutes, learn about math, it's not really get anything out of it, but just take a yeah. test at the end of the day. So I think like that's such a huge part of what I want to help bring into the country because there's just... There's not enough of that. I don't, I don't, I, at least I don't see it. There needs to be a change in the education system. I think it's highly flawed. I feel like if you teach finances, it helped everybody. It helped everybody live a little bit better, understand a little bit more mm-hmm. and overall have a higher quality of life. Cause now they know what they're doing with their money. I agree. All right. So we only have like 15 minutes left or so, but as you were saying, like, okay, you wanted to have a school in the future. So when you're looking at your future, what is it that you want to do? All I see is creating. Mm-hmm. Um, and all I see is creating new businesses, new ways to help people and new ways to give people opportunity for freestyle. And then for the other biz- second business that I'm working on is essentially like a, a print shop for apparel. And for all these things, is because I want to bring together a community of people who who want to seek something new, who want to work for something else, right? And some of my projects that I want to work on in the near future after I get freestyle rolling and the print shop rolling, scaling up is, you know, I want to start a boba and fried chicken chain no across, across, um, across college campuses. You know, a lot of college campuses have, you know, bubble tea, boba stores around the area, but it's all super big chain. A lot of them use powder. A lot of it's not higher quality. And I want to bring something that's, you know, Taiwanese. It's, it's homey. It's quality boba. And, and it's like fried chicken is not like fried chicken wing or like a fried chicken drumstick. It's like a fried chicken patty, like a huge fried chicken steak kind of thing. Okay. Um, so I want to bring that to college campuses. And it's because I didn't have that in college and I really wanted it. And so I want to give that to other students who also don't have that, (laughs) which is a lot of students. And then other, other side projects that I want to be working on in the near future is, you know, at that point, I think I'll have a team 
to be doing a lot of things with me. So I want to start an incubator, like a collaborative workspace. And I, my friends started it, but things went kind of south with it. Um, but I, I do want to bring that to, and I don't know where yet, but I want to bring incubators. I want to bring workspaces where people can, you know, come together and potentially get their ideas funded or, you know, work on their, just work on their hustles with other people who are also working on their hustles. I think that's such a huge game changer when you're able to work with other people who have that same energy as you or who are working towards similar things as you. You could be working on completely different things. One person could be doing really well in real estate. One person could be doing really well in fitness, but the same mentality and mindset, personality and energy, they match. They always match. I love that, yeah. And so incubator uh, and then further down the line is that's when I want to start creating schools. And I don't know how to, but I will figure it out down the line. Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, Yeah. it's really, I really love that idea of community. And that's something that I kind of set out to do with this podcast too, is just talking to all these different people who are going after what they want and creating something in this world based on, you know, what they see as valuable and what they think they can contribute to. And that's just so important because you know what, at the end of the day, that's what we should all be doing. And you are 100% one of those people because you're really, you're out there, you're doing your thing, you're creating, you're, you're going after what you want. And I think that's, that's really great. Thank you. Thank you. I think it is important to highlight. And I, that's why I reached out to you and, you know, I checked out your, your podcast and I checked out the mission of your podcast. And I thought that just resonated really well with what I'm doing with freestyle and what I do day to day. And I want to help get that message out because it is so important. I feel like so many people are trapped by what society claims to them as success. And I Mm -hmm. see a lot of my friends graduating college suffering because of it. They don't really know what they want to do in college. They get a degree that they don't like, it's either easy or it's something that might get them into different fields, but they don't know what they want to do. Then they get out of college and they find a job and it usually has nothing to do with what they studied in college. And then they're miserable because that's not what they wanted. That's not what they want to do. Yeah. And I think there's a huge stigma behind once you get out of college, you need to work, 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 work. If you go back to school or if you're like, if you're later in life and you go back to school, like that's it's not like a good energy behind that. Like, oh, you graduated late. Like why? Like what happened? Those conceptions or those feelings and thoughts about people in those situations is I feel like it's so toxic because people just don't support what others want to do. And I've seen it before, even in terms of grades in college, right? Yeah. You know, some people just don't like school and they don't want to do college, but they go to college because their their parents told them to, or, you know, they're not going to be successful if they don't. And one, I think that's untrue. But two, I think it's really hard for them to do something about it when most of their peers are like, hey, man, like you're going to be a failure if you drop out of high, uh, college or looking down on them for not doing well in college. And I think that part of society it needs to change i I think being open and spreading our messages will help that change come about because i think there's so much stigma behind all these different things dropping out of college staying late in college you know going back to school not doing so well in school and like i've experienced it back in middle school and high school you know we went to a school that was predominantly white and i was one of the fewer asians the asians around me they look down on me because I didn't do well in school because I didn't like it. <laughs> I mean, that lit a fire in, in me, but 
for others, it could be, it could hurt a lot more than it does good for them. And I I think we need to continue to spread our message to help the younger generation, those who are in the workforce to really go out and make that change and be that change to do what they want, support others who do what they want and start from there. Absolutely. And I did want to ask you this one question too. You're talking about, you know, how you were kind of looked down on in high school, but then when you were in college, you were the president of Taiwanese Taiwanese American Student Coalition. Yeah. Explain like how you made that transition, I guess. I think it's important to embrace culture, but not let culture deter us from something or feel Mm -hmm. certain way about something. Because I'm proud to be Taiwanese. Like, yeah, my, my parents are from Taiwan. I love Taiwan. Like most of my family, most of my relatives are in Taiwan right now. And I love visiting the place. And, you know, the culture that's important, like all of that stuff is important. But I think it becomes toxic when you take something like being Taiwanese or being Asian and taking that that label of being a minority and running with that. I think that can really hurt you from moving forward or like you're essentially holding yourself back from your own potential by thinking that you are lesser. The term like minority, right? Like Taiwanese is a minority of the Asian, you know, the whole big group of Asians. You know, Chinese is Mm -hmm. the most significant because there's the most people in China. Being a minority and being a minority, again, in, in middle school, high school, college, I personally feel like the more you enforce this feeling of minority, the more you think you are lesser than others. It's like, oh, I'm the smaller group. So therefore, you know, I should stay smaller. And mm-hmm. obviously, I know that's not the overall consent. Like, that's just how it normally is. Because I know there's people out there that are like, oh, shit, like, I'm a minority. I got to go like and kick something in the face. So like, you know, I stand up at the top. Gotcha. But, like, I know that the majority and it kind of hurts the majority where you think that you're a minority. I interviewed the electronics director of Lockheed Martin Space, which was super cool. She manages a ton of people. But when I interviewed her, I kind of brought that question, the same question up to her. And her response was similar to mine. And I thought that it was crazy because I was like, you know, to make it up to an electronics director, to make it up to a director as an Asian American female in a predominantly white and male dominated space, you know, you have to have that mentality that like, Yes, you're Asian, but that doesn't mean you're the minority. That doesn't mean you're lesser than anyone else. I think that's really important to embrace your cultural diversity, but not let that hinder you from opportunities. Oh, absolutely. And I'm assuming, you know, as you were the president of that coalition, like that's kind of what you were striving to instill in everybody. Yeah. I don't know why our thing is coalition. Everybody (laughs) else's name is like Taiwanese American Student Association or... Mm -hmm club or something like that and then we have coalition (laughs) i didn't come up with that name but it's there i did try i tried hard to promote taiwanese culture but at the same time be at the top strive for the top be at the top of all the other clubs because i'm competitive i I like competing and doing well feels good for me doing well for myself, doing well for the team, doing well for the club makes me feel good. Yeah. And it was it was funny because I was actually the president of the Society of Asian Scientists and Engineers before I was the president of the Taiwanese American Student Coalition. Um, and that really made me understand like how to communicate better with people and understand like drive 
So internal drive and motivation between each individual member of the org in both orgs. Some people like getting yelled at in the sense where like you hype them up. Some people really like you just taking them to the side and talking to, to them to understand that helped me to lead better. And then that really helped me in the Taiwanese American Student Coalition because that was a much larger group, but I managed it much better because I learned those skills from the other organization. And, you know, you talk about striving to be the best. And I mean, you really, you're doing that in everything you do. It seems like you're really just going full force, going after what you want, whether it's, you know, your your brand or or your day job or going back to like jazz band, whatever, <laughs> you're doing it. Um, so that's that's really awesome. And it's really something that we should all aspire to do. So much props to you for that. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you of so much. Course. Oh my God, of course. So where can people find your clothing, find you on social media, all that good stuff? Oh, okay. So for social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, all that good stuff. My personal handle is at the rice hero so it's <laughs> at d-u-h-r-i-c-e-h-e-r-o so d-u-h rice hero was that your handle in high school too so because <laughs> i feel like that sounds so familiar <laughs> my handle and my nickname in high school was white rice everybody on the hockey team called me white rice because you know you're playing hockey as an asian white rice <laughs> kind of messed up but okay <laughs> it, it, it is but i embraced it because i thought okay. I, I liked it i thought it was a fun name and i took it and i ran with it and now i'm derice hero <laughs> <laughs> but uh for for apparel for freestyle you can find me at fr style apparel at fr style apparel on instagram and then same with the website it's fr style apparel.com i think that's it yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah, I can't wait. I'm definitely going to check out some of the clothing and i um, just so excited to see everything you do because I know you're just destined for greatness. If Thank I you. Thank myself. you so much. Yeah. Starting from my dad's basketball team to here. <laughs> oh man, that was, that was a long time ago. <laughs> I was still a troublemaker back then. But <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate that. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. I'm so happy to have had you. Don't work too hard. Get some time for yourself. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. I will see you later. Have a good day. Yeah. Talk later. Absolutely. All Peace. right. Bye.